Welcome to Manage Your Damn Money with Ben and Malcolm, where we trade in personal finance advice for entertaining conversations about money and hope we last longer than the NFL's partnership with Papa John's. Welcome to Manage Your Damn Money with Ben and Malcolm. Malcolm, it is another wonderful show, another wonderful episode of this here thing that we do on a weekly basis. How are you, sir? Not bad, man. Not bad. I, I'm counting the days till football season. <laughs> Wait a minute. The playoffs for the NBA haven't even started. You know, the NBA season is boring when you already know who's going to be in the finals and who's likely to win. So who's going to be in the finals this year? Kevin Durant. <laughs> he, he went to... Uh, Golden State so that he would get to the finals. Uh-huh. He got to the finals. Uh-huh. They won. Uh-huh. And now they're on pace to pretty much do it again for the next three or four I years. I feel like this is the most competition that there's been in the NBA for a long time. Like Are you it's kidding not me? not necessarily going to be the who, Kevin Durant. Who would you take above the California Kevin Durant's? <laughs> Possibly the Houston James Harden's in I like Houston, uh, but I don't think the Rockets are going to beat Golden State four times in California. They could actually. remember, they're the number one seed, so it's got to go uh, through them and, you know, okay, so, so on I, and so forth. But then, nonetheless, LeBron doesn't have enough left in the tank to compete <laughs> with those guys by himself playing one on four. So, you know, it's pretty much over. Well, now funny. I'm just ready to watch the Cowboys and see what they're going to do. Well, you got several more months to wait there, sir, so mm. uh, enjoy that wait. Uh, on today's episode of Manage Your Damn Money, uh, our conversation at hand in this show is actually a really interesting one, one we've never done before, uh, protecting yourself from scams. So we're going to talk about how to protect your money, protect your identity, protect yourself from people trying to get at your money. Um, but before we do, as we always do on every show, it is now time for headlines. <laughs> Malcolm, to your delight, Jeff Bezos' $23 million mansion is a big reason he may pick Washington, D.C. for headquarters, too, for Amazon. God help us. (laughs) A January 2018 story by Harrison Jacobs on BusinessInsider.com speculates about the location. Amazon plans to put upcoming upcoming second headquarters uh, because of his giant house that he recently purchased. Um, That's putting it lightly. Yeah, it's, it's in an interesting neighborhood, which I had never heard of before, uh, in Colorama, I think it's you called. You've never been up there? No, I, don't, I didn't Notice even I know it existed. Up there? That's, you know. Is it far? Is it, where is it? Uptown DC. I don't even, um, I don't even know where it is. It's that's like. because you only hang out downtown with the, <laughs> with the young folk. Okay. But the senators and, and you know, uh, dignitaries and uh, such live in Upper Northwest in those neighborhoods. Which is called Colorama. Colorama, yeah. It sounds like something similar to Wakanda. You just can't find it. <laughs> it is uh, the opposite of <laughs> Wakanda. <laughs> Indeed. Uh, well, Amazon recently announced several finalist cities and locales which will serve as finalists for their putting out a bid to win the next Amazon, or AKA, as I call it, Big Brother, uh, headquarters. <laughs> the city that wins is expected to see $50,000, excuse me, 50,000 more high-paying jobs and a $5 billion headquarters build-out. Uh, the story speculates that a big reason Amazon could, p- could pick the D.C. area is because of Jeff Bezos' big AF house in D.C. Uh, Jeff Bezos, founder of Amazon, owns a $23 million 
27,000 square foot mansion in, as I mentioned, Kalorama, uh, which is a historic DC neighborhood, um, homes to bigwigs, people in the media, politics, and uh, diplomacy. Uh, the mansion, which was once a textile museum, uh, is the largest private home in DC and blocks from the homes of Barack Obama and Michelle Obama, um, and also the uh, Kushners, who moved to Kalorama uh, earlier in 2018, I believe. Um, and then DC offers a lot of advantages. This is what the article says uh, for headquarters too. It's robust transportation system, uh, the education system, a large educated workforce and high livability. Um, but perhaps the biggest indicator, the story says, the proximity to Capitol Hill, as well as the numerous potential government contracts that could result in deeper partnerships with Washington that cannot be ignored. Again, big brother coming for us. Um, and Bezos reportedly plans to host regular, quote unquote, salon style dinners at his Colorama Museum home, uh, <laughs> according to the Times, to bring together D.C.'s power elite and make his home a center for the city. Here's something interesting you left out of that whole thing. Uh huh. His house is actually two houses combined. <laughs> so it's the textile museum, which is like the main entrance of this whole thing. Okay. And then also next to it used to be some president's former house. I okay. want to say Truman, but I don't remember that for sure. Okay. So say it was Truman. He died. They turned it into a museum. It right. stayed as a museum for, for decades and decades. All right. The richest man in the world comes along and buys <laughs> that house because the right. museum next to it wasn't big enough. Not not big enough. Combine the two of them together uh -huh. to make one jumbo house. Right. And now he's got the biggest, most expensive house in ever in D.C., which is saying a lot because, right. you know, D.C. costs a lot of money. It, it does. To that point, like we live here in the Washington, D.C. metro area. Um, there are other cities that are technically in contention for the second headquarters for Amazon. For people who are in one of the places that are rumored to have a chance, right. what should people be doing to prepare you know, their own personal finances for that reality? Get ready to move. <laughs> I mean, that's really all. Here's what's funny. I was at a conference uh, not too long ago, and I happened to be talking to a city official from the city of Charlotte okay. in North Carolina. Mm -hmm. And... The conversation got to a point where he was almost convincing me that I needed to be considering moving to Charlotte. Okay. And I don't even mean Charlotte specifically. I mean somewhere not D.C. In relation, in relation to the, the Amazon conversation? We got on that conversation okay. and we started talking about cost of living in Texas and North Carolina and Florida and places like that. Right. And as we're talking about this, and I mean, we really started getting into the economics of this whole thing. Right. I'm like, why do I still live here? <laughs> like, realistically, like, you right. know, my family's here. Uh, okay, great. But if I move to a place that costs half as much as it does to live here, come see them I can anytime. come see them all, all I want. Right. I can fly them to come visit me, right? And they can come visit my 83 million square foot mansion that I bought right. in, in Kansas for $18. <laughs> like, why am I still here? Right. So maybe the Amazon people will be the catalyst to send me packing <laughs> to some place that, <laughs> some place that is going to cost me a lot less. Yeah, absolutely, that's definitely a possibility. Um, are there any like benefits? What are the benefits to like a, a big company like that coming to your town? Well, if you are okay, so think about this from the opposite side, the gov, the local government side. Right. You get 
50,000 more tax-paying citizens that are coming and bringing their families right. who are then going to need jobs and schools and all that kind of all those resources that dump more money into the coffers of your local government. Right. You get to tax them a little bit more. You now have a whole another swath of voters that are coming to your area that right. if you're in DC, a place that's kind of densely populated voter-wise, those 50,000 people if they vote the same way you do, you if they vote the same way you think, then you've got the job on lock for however long you want it, you <laughs> know, thinking about it from that perspective. Right. So if you have the same values as a West Coaster right. coming from Seattle or right. wherever, and they now are your constituents. It's all good. You got a job for life like Marion Barry. <laughs> so there's that aspect of it, too, right. um, you know, to consider. But then on the flip side, the disproportionate income levels in a place like a DC right. or, or other major metro areas, you push out a lot of people who already were hanging on by a thread to, to try and find affordable housing. You've pretty much exiled them to, you know, some other country almost because, you know. Or Charlotte. Or Charlotte. <laughs> Charlotte is voluntary. Okay. I, I packed up and moved to Charlotte, but there's other pockets around DC that are in Maryland and Virginia that, you know, you kind of just fall over the line into them because. The rent here, right. quote unquote, is too damn high. Like you just can't do it. So indeed, indeed. Uh, well, this is Manage Your Damn Money with Ben and Malcolm. Uh, we want to remind you you can always listen to past episodes of our show on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and Google Play, and Spotify. And of course, leave us a review there. We really want to hear from you and hear about what you want us to talk about here on the show. Send us your questions, of course. Uh, info at managerdamnmoney.com. Uh, and also, you can follow us on social media. My handle is at mydm1 malcolm what's yours uh, at malcolm on money and that is on instagram and twitter and of course you can catch us on facebook facebook.com backslash manager damn money we're gonna take our first music break but when we come back the conversation at hand protecting yourself from scams i'm really excited about this show malcolm uh this is mydm with ben and malcolm we will be right back
welcome back to Manage Your Damn Money with Ben and Malcolm. Uh, today's conversation at hand, protecting yourself from scams. The first scam ever was when one caveman suggested a trade of a club for a piece of meat. But the caveman with the club accepted the meat when it was handed to him and hit the other caveman over the head, ate the meat, and walked home with his club. Did you get that from a fortune cookie? I got that from my own head. Okay. Awesome. Thank you very okay. much. Uh, since the Stone Age, scams have changed and morphed from the old school timeshare pitch to email phishing. Scams have always existed. Get rich, get quick, wait. Get rich, get quick, wait. Get rich, get quick, wait. Get rich, get quick. What is that? Get rich quick. quick. There we go. Schemes <laughs> devised to encourage you to part with your hard-earned cash. Uh, but what are scams, hoodweeks, and beguilings you need to be aware of in today's digital age? We'll discuss here on the show. Um, so, Malcolm, what inspired you to kind of draft this show? Because you're the one who put this one together. What was, like, the impetus for it? Well, the fact that during tax season, mm-hmm. historically, historically, like over the last, like, five years, okay. people have had to contend with other people filing their tax returns Uh, i mean filing their taxes and claiming the returns on their behalf oh wow and so i was like scrolling through twitter and i saw this tweet from like forbes or somebody Uh that said how to protect your tax return from scammers right and i was like i can't believe we're at a place now where we now need a 10-step guide (laughs) to keep scammers from stealing our tax returns yeah like nobody looks forward to tax day right april 15th comes around Every single year, and it's right. dreaded by everybody but accountants. <laughs> now, all of a sudden, I've got to worry about filing early and all that kind yeah. of stuff just to avoid tax scams? Yeah. Like, why do you want my taxes? <laughs> like, so, you know, as I was looking at that, it got sent me down this rabbit hole yeah. of what other scams are we now, like, kind of numb to right. that came out of nowhere? Of course, the first scam that we are numb to, as Malcolm says, the wealthy prince from Wakanda. <laughs> uh, we're all familiar with the scams from the early 2000s when an email was still new. Uh, when people would receive an email from a wealthy foreigner who would promise millions in exchange from an initial financial investment, um, whatever it might be. Um, another one, MTV made this popular. Uh, not that it's financial, but it's still kind of a scam. Uh, MTV special made us all aware of the social media practice of catfishing people yeah. so that's when you like behave like you or act like you're someone else online um another one which is interesting which still kind of goes on today email phishing which phishing is email phishing is the attempt to obtain sensitive information such as usernames passwords and credit card details and of course your money uh, often for malicious reasons by disguising as a trustworthy entity in an electronic communication so phishing emails may contain links to websites that are infected with malware so i think one one of the things that they tell you not to do is click links in emails that you're not familiar with right because it can do different things to your actual email or it can take you to a website that is tracking you or something like that so here's something interesting real quick mm-hmm. you meant you said email phishing is something that you know i think it still exists yeah mm-hmm. the email providers that we use say mm-hmm. google for example right. have gotten so good at having you report these things and catching them on your behalf Mm -hmm. that you don't even realize that they exist anymore sure but they're like 10 times as bad as they were a year ago yeah so there's that many more schemes that have cropped up Mm -hmm. but the folks who i guess we pay kind of in a roundabout (laughs) way to provide us with email service 
have dedicated so much to making sure that we don't see them right. that you don't even realize most of them are there because they don't get through the firewall. I did not know that, and I still don't click on links if I don't know. If I'm not familiar with it, I'm like looking at it every which way. Before That's because you were born with a computer in your hand. Indeed. But if you were like 75 <laughs> scrolling around on the internet, it uh, might look like, you know, well, maybe right. I did win the lottery. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, another scam, uh, social media advertising and outrageous claims. Uh, I know someone, I, I know about this story, who once called a phone number, a person, they called a phone number and excitedly gave parts of their personal information, oh, no. all from an ad they saw on Facebook. It was an ad about the potential of forgiveness of loans. Oh, no. So that was like an instance where they reacted too quickly to an advertisement. Mm -hmm. They got excited and they went and tried to call this line that they didn't know from Sally or Annie. Um, and gave a part, some of their information as but I But these schemes it. usually play on people's desperation. Yeah. Who isn't desperate to get rid of their student loans? Yeah, you're not. So, you're not anymore, are you, sir? Can't relate. <laughs> <laughs> well, good for you, sir. Um, and then there's another one, which is also another interesting one, uh, romantic scams. People using dating apps and sites over long periods of time to build a relationship with someone online. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like catfishing. Claim a major life event that requires a large sum of money. So it's like, you know, develop a relationship with someone online, you know, get to going back and forth. And like over the course of three or four months at the end, you hit them with a, I need $9,000 for my, my child. Sick, yeah. yeah. So that's something uh, that's an interesting scam. And then also uh, make money fast scams. These come in all shapes and sizes, but generally these things promise the ability to make large amounts of money after some initial financial commitment or process. Think Trump University. <laughs> um, I'll teach you this for a one-time fee of. Right. If someone's saying like, I'll teach you something. All um, you gotta do is. All the underside of this thing that you have to pay for, right. it's not a good thing. Um, and then also, this one was new for me, travel scams. Travel offers for limited amounts of time, which try to lock you into an initial fee without showing you the full cost of the trip or the requirements to book. So that would be like someone saying, you can go to Hawaii for $500, mm -hmm. and on the other side of paying that $500, you now have to go and buy or do a whole bunch of different things to get to this trip. Um, and then also another trend, which does have real life impacts, uh, fake news, a growing trend in the media, is and new sites are increasingly facing difficulty in differentiating themselves from quote unquote news like websites. Uh, news informs what we do in our lives, so it's important to know your news is real and accurate. Um, so that's another big deal, Malcolm. Uh, but what do you recall being your first experience with a scam? So I think my first experience with scams probably came from the Craigslist. Oh, okay. Craigslist first started cropping up and right. That was the place to buy things. Mm -hmm. Craigslist and eBay. And you have the- oh, I remember that. eBay wow. might even be earlier than Craigslist for me because I remember people when I was in high school buying fake stuff off of eBay. <laughs> so like two-way pagers were a big deal. Remember two-way pagers? I do. <laughs> so when two-way pagers were a big deal, everybody in my high school had like those and the sidekicks and stuff like that. You could buy them allegedly online from somebody who right. had one and then they they'd never used it they they only opened the box and took all the wires out to take pictures took all the plastic it. off right. and then sold it to you they never used it though and then you'd get it and it's all beat up and right. you pay the full price for it. or you get it mm -hmm. and it's like an old flip phone or something and there's nothing you can do about it because it came here from singapore somewhere right. even though the guy said that he was in like texas right speaking of that specifically 
Um, shout out to the guy who stole my phone at the gym one time. This is a couple years ago now. Stole my phone. Mm-hmm. And this is one of the situations where you realize the full circle of the quote unquote scam. He stole my phone out of my bag, I guess, when I was in the basketball gym at LA Fitness in Silver Spring, right? That's real specific. Real okay. specific. <laughs> um, then, so I, so that was gone. Mm-hmm. He, whoever had it, had it. And then a couple of days later, uh, I think a kid called me, like somebody who clearly sounded like a 16 year old, and was like, hey, I have this phone. It says that if it's lost, I'm supposed to call you because I left a message. I locked the phone mm-hmm. remotely and left a message, please call such and such. And they called me. By that time, I had a new phone. And then he was like, yeah, somebody sold me this phone in a box, in an Apple box. Um, and then like, like his older sister got on the phone and was like, yeah, it's my little brother. He bought it from somebody. It was on Craigslist. They sold it to him as a new phone. And now it's locked because you locked it. We we're wondering if you can unlock it. And I was like, oh, no. So somebody took my phone from my bag or wherever it was at the gym, put it in an empty box, sold it to a teenager online, handed it to him in the box. Kid thought he was getting a new phone or a relatively new phone, and it was locked with my information on it. And the guy who sold the phone is gone and out of the equation. That that story, I, uh, sad that your phone disappeared, right? <laughs> but that story actually ended better than it started. Because okay. when you said this little kid called me and he's like, hey, I got this phone, mm-hmm. immediately I started playing back scenes of To Catch a Predator that used to come on <laughs> NBC. And I was like, oh, no. And then the police stormed the place. What are you doing here? Yeah, right. <laughs> Have a seat. No, no. But a question for you. Am I a bad person because I didn't unlock the phone? No, absolutely not. Because that might have been the scam. Right. The family that scams together stays together or something like that. So I would have been very suspicious that this guy put his kids on the phone to use them right. to get the unlock code and gave them a little, you know, take I, on I the never side. even thought about that. I'm always thinking about stuff like that. Well, that's really deep. So those, these are the kind of things that people have to be aware of. Um, is there any kind of rule that you kind of think of as a financial advisor when it comes to talking to clients about scams and what to be aware of? When so it's- interestingly enough, mm-hmm. th- this is like completely out of the purview, I think, of what my role is as somebody's <laughs> financial advisor. But I'm constantly talking to my clients about financial scams. Okay. Because usually these scams are targeted toward your most elderly people sure. who are not necessarily as technologically savvy. Sure. And then also older people I've found usually follow the directions a lot more than younger people. Yeah. So if somebody was to call an older person and say, you have to do these three things and you have to do them by this time today because otherwise we'll lock your bank account. That person might actually listen and go, right. oh, man. If you I, just say that authoritatively. Yeah, I don't want anybody to lock my bank account. Let me get on this. Right. If you called me and said, you've got to do these three things or we're going to lock your <laughs> bank account. I'm like, man, I'll get a new bank account in like six minutes online. Lock it. Like what? And that's to a legitimate you know, call from my bank. Right. So the difference there is we're not as susceptible because we don't necessarily follow the rules as much as... <laughs> Our parents and grandparents probably do. Uh-huh. That makes it a little more challenging to nail people like us down, too. Sure. So there's that. Okay, excellent, excellent. Well, we're going to take a quick music break in a moment. Uh, but before we do, we want to remind you, you can always listen to past episodes of Manager Damn Money on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play. 
and now Spotify. And of course, leave us a review. Tell us what you're thinking. Uh, that helps us go up in the ratings when you do. Um, and of course, if you have questions for us or you want to have Malcolm respond to something on Malcolm's Money Minute, send us your question or thought to info at managerdamnmoney.com. Uh, you can also follow us on social media. Malcolm, what's your handle? At Malcolm on Money. And of course, mine is at MYDM1. Uh, and you, that's on Instagram and Twitter. And on Facebook, you can catch us facebook.com backslash manager damn money this is mydm with ben and malcolm we're talking how to protect yourself from scams we'll be back after this music break back to manage your damn money with ben and malcolm today's conversation at hand protecting yourself from all kinds of different scams uh an interesting story that we pulled for this show here's why you're getting so many spam phone calls a moneyish.com article from 2017 by nicole lynn pesk explains the situation behind spam phone calls. The next time another unknown number unexpectedly rings your phone, send it straight to voicemail. That's the safest way to weed out illegitimate calls from legitimate callers from the scammers that spammed Americans with more than 29 billion robocalls last year that cost consumers $350 million. Spam blocking call service Umail reports that 2.5 billion robocalls blew up your phone in April alone with the average person getting 7.7 unsolicited calls. That's 13.6% increase since last February. Uh, plus, clever con artists often try to profit off of topical subjects like calling about donations following a national tragedy. So tax season the past couple of months has likely spurred a slew of phony IRS and debt collection calls. They fish for your personal information or get you to agree to buy shoddy products and accept 
fraudulent charges, um, which is, I guess, essentially when someone calls you, says they are this person, and then says you need to do X, Y, Z um, when it's not actually the case. And the uh, Federal Communications Commission, or FCC, recently warned that the calls asking, quote unquote, can you hear me? Or do you pay most of the bills at your home are probably trying to record you saying, quote unquote, yes, to use your own voice against you and authorizing charges on a bill or stolen credit card, which is kind of beyond me. I didn't even realize that was something you could do. But think back to all the James Bond movies you've watched where they take that quick snippet of, of somebody's voice. voice or their fingerprint or whatever. And then they and that's all they need to steal the diamond that right. or, is pivotal in the movie. Or get into the vault. Right. Exactly. Um, what people can do, this is a quote from the article that we pulled, what people can do right now is use the tools that are being made available to them and be very careful not to give personal information like your name, social security number, birth date, or anything like that to somebody who calls out of the blue, whether it's li a live call or not, which is a huge rule of thumb. If you don't recognize the number, if you don't know who you're talking to, don't say too much. They ha they called you. Right. <laughs> so, uh uh, some and you can always hang up and call them back. So, right. You know. Absolutely. Uh, and then some quick things that you could do for spam calls specifically. You can register your number. You can register your number with the free national do not call registry. Um, if you haven't already, you can go to do not call .gov or call 1-800-382-1222, which is a number you can call to get people to stop calling you unsolicited. Um, this will stop legit marketers from calling you within a month. Um, you can also do what I do. Don't pick up. Right. When you get un an unsolicited call from a number you don't recognize, let it go to voicemail. Uh, many spammers won't leave a message. Uh, I hate to say you that I hate to tell you that you can't trust any callers these days, but you certainly have to be careful, said the person quoted. Um, and then, of course, that was me. They quoted me. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, never say yes over the phone, which is a reference to what I said earlier. If you do answer a suspicious call or respond to a voice message from an unsolicited caller, do not answer with the words yes. Um, if the caller asks something like, are you a homeowner? Or can you hear me? Politely respond, where are you calling from and why do you need this information? And if someone's calling you unsolicited from a number you don't recognize at this point, you should always already just be like, wait, who who are you? Yeah. What, what do you want? Um, and that's if you answer the phone. Um, and of course, the sooner you hang up after sensing the call is sketchy, there's less chance you'll get you'll let something slip. So if it's important enough to you, there is actually a feature that I believe all four major cell phone carriers offer now. Okay. Where you can pay an additional like two or three dollars a month okay. to have full caller ID. Oh wow. So right now your caller ID only tells you the names of the people who are already stored in there. Right. And it'll say like, I think this person might be calling from Delaware right. or something like that. Otherwise, you can actually pay a few dollars extra. I don't know why it's not included <laughs> for them to tell you, oh, this person is calling from this company. In in this state and blah 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 right. so if you're a person who's paranoid enough to need to know who that person is calling every single time right. might be worth paying the extra couple of dollars absolutely absolutely another big thing aggressive scam phone calls uh, these callers may demand money or may say you have a refund due and try to trick you into sharing private information uh, these con artists can sound convincing when they call they may know a lot about you and they usually alter the caller ID to you know, to combat what Malcolm was talking about, to make it look like the IRS is calling. They use fake names and bogus IRS identification badges and numbers. If you don't answer, they often leave a quote unquote urgent 
callback requests. I've gotten a few of those. You have? Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. At my folks' house. They'll call my <laughs> folks' house looking uh-huh. for me uh-huh. and say, well, tell them, you know, he better call us back before the end of the day because, you know, there's a lawsuit out or something and he has to settle this lawsuit. And then I listen to the message and just start laughing like, "Good luck suing me." You yeah. know, <laughs> like, okay, that's hilarious. Um, well, these telephone scams uh, are being seen in every part of the country, and we urge people not to be deceived by these threatening phone calls. And this was said by the IRS Commissioner John Kokenstein. I hope I said that right. Koken, Co- I didn't say that right. Um, he also went on to say, "We have formal processes in place for people with tax issues. The IRS respects taxpayer rights, and these angry shakedown calls are not how we do business." First of all, Malcolm, why does everyone quoted in a story on our show have to have a name that I can't pronounce? Uh, what's, is what's it them or is it you? I don't know. There might be a little operator error because you tear <laughs> some names up. Oh my goodness, it's just so consistent. Uh, and then the IRS reminds people that they can know pretty easily when a uh, IRS, supposed IRS caller is fake. Here are five things scammers often do, but the IRS in particular will not do. Any one of these five things is a, te- a telltale sign of a scam. The IRS will never try. And of course, we're in the midst of tax season when people are trying to like get their taxes together. So people are concerned about this thing. Uh, first of all, uh, IRS will not call to demand immediate payment, nor will they call about taxes owed without first having mailed you a bill, which feels pretty basic. Makes perfect sense. Makes perfect sense. I have to see the paper before, you know, I believe it's true. Um, then you also, also another thing that the IRS won't do Demand that you pay taxes without giving you the opportunity to question or appeal the amount that you owe. So, of course, if they say you owe, you can say, well, I think I might owe this or this is what I have to present in terms of why I might think I owe otherwise. Um, And then, of course, they wouldn't require you to use a specific method of payment for your taxes, such as a prepaid debit card. If somebody's asking you to that one is that's so specific. That one is outrageous. Why is that so outrageous? Well, just think about a merchant telling you that right. you have to buy uh, other than Starbucks because Starbucks requires you to use their Starbucks card <laughs> to get the points to get the free Starbucks and they got you into this endless loop but that's a totally different one I'll go off about later uh, so in this case think about a retailer telling you you can only shop here at Target if you use our Target card or Walmart right. or whoever right. yeah, they'd lose 50% of their customers Absolutely. if the IRS lost 50% of their customers which is us <laughs> They'd be in a lot of trouble. Right. So imagine them telling you, we only take payment through this one place. Right. And then, of course, a specific something as specific as a prepaid debit card, which right. is like all the way, like it's like a burner phone. Like you're, right. you're trying to commit a crime. <laughs> uh, and then another thing that the IRS won't do is ask for credit or debit card numbers over the phone, which is a pretty good sign that something is amiss there. Yeah. Because um, that's not even a respectful way to deal with that kind of They only want checks. Right. Like they only want checks. They want to see it clear or not. That right. is all. Um, and then uh, the last thing is threaten to bring in local police or other law enforcement groups to have you arrested for not paying. I mean, that just seems laughable to us. But maybe if someone's listening and it's not and they've got a call like that, if somebody's threatening you with that, then remember what I said, though, older people follow right. the rules. Right. So if you're threatening to bring the police to an elderly person's house right. to arrest them, I'm like, I don't want to deal with all that. I'll, OK, I'll just pay it. Right. And I'll sort it out later. Right. Like, and that's the knee-jerk reaction that they're trying to elicit from, you know, older folks. Absolutely. Um, So what are some keys to avoid being scammed, Malcolm, online or otherwise? The first thing, and I think 
you as a resident cynic here on the show, <laughs> it's very easy for you to do this. Um, and for me, I think I'm right in there in the pocket with you. Uh, trust nothing, verify everything, uh, which is a really big deal. It's an interesting thing too. Um, the next one we have here is know the signs and signals of trustworthy websites. So one thing that I learned over the last like, I guess five to eight years, especially now, when you're on a, a reputable site, like let's say you bank with bank A, mm -hmm. right? Bank A should have a little green lock in the corner of your browser right. to let you know that this is the legit website of Bank A and not a fake website of Bank A. Right. I don't know if they do that too much anymore these days. Or they they do. So here's one that I noticed mm -hmm. that is very, very close. Okay. The federal loans people. Oh, yeah. There's that's a big three one. Three so far that I counted. Uh-huh fake federal loans websites yes. that look very similar, wow. but the difference is their domain name doesn't have that lock next to it. Right. And if you look at it closely, There's say an off. I, for example, is replaced with a one or a oh, lowercase L or wow. something like that. So where you just typed in federal loan into right. Google, it took you to that generic list of and you click the one that looked like the one you clicked last time, right. now you're on somebody's page that's gonna send your money to Bangladesh somewhere right. and bounce it around the country 18 times right. into this person's account in the Caymans. That's a big deal. It, I mean, it's, it's very easy to get mixed up, right. but if I have to then go through the trouble of typing in the actual full name right. to make sure that I'm not getting scammed, well then, you know, what's eight extra keystrokes. Right. Like, Absolutely, another big one for that, um, this one I always talk about and I always make sure I do and make sure my family members know, is not to get on personal websites like your bank or your investing accounts or anything like that while you're on public Wi-Fi. Hmm. Um, because there's different things that people can collect on you. Yep. Because people, like this is a big thing too, just that I'm, that's just now coming to me. You sit at a Starbucks right. or some other public place like an airport, then you hop on an available Wi-Fi thing, but it's not actually uh, Wi-Fi being provided by the establishment. Right. It's Wi-Fi of some person who's a third, party. A, a third party who's in the space, who's allowing you to surf the web on their line. And while you're on there, they're, they're, they're tracking your keys or they're tracking everything that you're doing through that connection that they have to your computer. Um, so you know what's really funny? For the last like three or four years, mm -hmm. I have been harassing the Metro via Twitter okay asking why I don't have Wi-Fi access all through the metro system I've been asking this for years uh -huh. via Twitter and they never respond because the metro <laughs> doesn't respond to anybody because uh -huh. they're doing a terrible job at everything but they finally got it uh -huh. they they have it at like most of the stops now on the metro okay I got ready to connect to it one day and I was like I'm not using this. <laughs> I don't know who else is on this train trying to collect now. Uh -huh. I, so I got what I asked for, and then now, now use I, I refuse to use it. You ungrateful. <laughs> no. Anyway. They get uh, to save the money. I'm not using it. That's hilarious. Um, so that's a really big deal. Um, and I always turn off the Wi-Fi if I'm in a public place to get on a banking website. You know I turn off everything. Yeah. Indeed. Privacy settings, location settings. Right. The, the, you know. So here's something interesting real quick mm -hmm. that, and along the lines of where I was talking about uh, how Google uh, and, and other, you know, email providers mm -hmm. spend a lot of money securing your uh email so that all of the spam gets blocked as best as possible right i found out as i was like going down the rabbit hole like i mentioned reading about stuff for this particular uh segment the cell phone carriers actually employ several 
uh, computers to block those kind of spam text messages oh, that wow. normally come in okay. because they don't want text messages to go the way of email. So people stopped using email because there's so much scamming that goes on in it, and they're afraid that text messaging will go the way of email, and they won't have you hooked anymore to pay those outrageous data rates because you're not sending nearly as many texts as you used to. So they deploy millions of dollars a year blocking what they perceive to be spam text messages right absolutely that's a good point um and then of course a couple more points only visit websites that you know and you're familiar with sure um as you said malcolm double check the url to make sure you're on the in the right place um and i think this is a really golden rule and this can applies to so many areas of life not just money but other places too that i won't name uh if it's too good to be true it probably is that's a big deal and malcolm as a cynic you you (laughs) live your life by that daily um and then of course i think this kind of is a broad strokes thing this is something they used to tell us in elementary school when we we were learning to cross the street stop look and listen (laughs) and pay attention like think to yourself does this make sense does this person calling me make sense in terms of me giving my information let me slow down and think about this before just knee-jerk reacting as you said uh earlier in the show i believe it was president roosevelt who said trust but verify indeed indeed trust but verify that's a big deal in terms of uh, avoiding getting scammed uh but we want to remind people as we close the show that they can always listen to past episodes of manager damn money on apple podcast soundcloud stitcher google play and Spotify. Malcolm, what do we want people to do when they're on one of those platforms? Please, please, please leave us a review because we do actually read them and it helps us improve the show so we know what you guys want to watch and listen to. Absolutely. And when you uh, do that, you can also send us a question or concerns or praise if you like. Yeah, only the good stuff. <laughs> don't, don't bother sending the uh, the, the criticisms because we're just going to report you as spam. <laughs> Send that to info at com, and of course you can follow us if you're a real person only <laughs> on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook on Instagram and Twitter. What's your handle, Malcolm? At Malcolm on Money. And of course mine is at MYDM1 and on Facebook you can catch us facebook.com backslash Uh Once again, thank you to our partners here at Montgomery C- Community media and to our crew for another great show uh until next time be good with your money peace peace